So, Paul Ludi 2, we have different personality styles, and it's just as important to understand your own before you start trying to understand other people's, and that we need to modify the style of our communications when talking to them, or, or indeed writing to them, to, to take into account their personality as well as our own. So, Paul, as I said before, I, my assumption is that there's loads and loads and loads of personality types. How many are there? It's a good question, and I think the, the, the first thing to say is infinite because we're all unique. So in terms of personality styles, we all have our own absolute unique blend. But over the years, there's been lots of research done, some of it based around Carl Jung's psychology. But I would take it right back to the Greeks who talk about sanguine. And it, it's been around for centuries, you know. Right. So the idea of that we there are traits that we can identify in how we think and behave, I am slightly oversimplifying this, but has been around for a long time. And various systems have endeavoured to produce a tool where people can answer a series of questions or indicate their preferences, and that then delivers you a report that says this is how this person is likely to think and behave. Right. Uh, and some of the tools are more about thinking, some are more about behaving, some are combining the two. The important thing to think to remember here, really, is that we all have preferences, but they're not necessarily fixed. So we will have a personality style that says... I am actually, uh, I prefer to think and behave this way, but we can flex our styles. So what's oh, really important right. is, when, as we begin to talk about personality styles, these are not labels, they're not fixed, they're not, this is just me and I never change. It's actually, and actually there's a question there about, does it change as we get older? But we can <laughs> identify, we just get more grumpy, don't we, as we get older? I, I do. <laughs> but what we can do is, using various tools, which I'll talk about in a second, we can identify the preferences that people will have have for their thinking and their behaviour, which helps us then to communicate more effectively. Wonderful. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. So let's have a think about what the actual preferences are and how we can describe some of these. So okay. now, just for the purposes of, of, of me being able to speak in real familiarity, I'll talk about my own system. My own system's called Vita. Other systems are available, Dave, just to be absolutely clear. Vita. Vita. Now, okay. Vita is Latin for life. It's where curriculum vitae comes from. Oh, right. But just as to illustrate the point, and I say Insights and Disc and others would say the similar things, Vita stands for visionary investigator, team maker, and adventurer. So visionary, investigator, team maker, and adventurer. Well, and those, right yeah, and those <laughs> are four different personality types within my system. Now, we use colours as well. Insights uses red, blue, green, and yellow, or to be absolutely truthful, uses words like fiery red and sunshine yellow and earth green. Um, but the point being is, is that it's just about dividing up our personality styles into these different behaviours. So visionary, yep. somebody who's more visionary... Just, just before we go deep on that, tell me again. Visionary, instigator... Investigator. Sorry, investigator. Yeah. Yeah. Team maker. Yeah. And adventurer. And that stands for V-I-T-A. That's each of the four. Okay. So visionary. So visionary. So people who have a preference for the visionary style of thinking and behaviour tend to be very much interested in results, outcomes... What's actually going to happen? They like to get on with things quite quickly. Often talk in short sentences. Often, you know, don't want you to get to the point. Just tell me. Don't fluff around. 
My accountant. Yeah. Right. Get, get to right. the point. Yeah. <laughs> and and often and and in and in you mentioned earlier, which is quite an important point, in their written language, their emails might be Dave report question mark P, and that would be it. <laughs> No, hi Dave, how are you getting on? Have you managed to finish the report yet? So there's about brevity and it's about getting things done quite quickly. The challenge with that personality style, for some people that can come across as being quite blunt and aggressive, even sometimes people think because you just talk, you just, you're, not, you're not asking me anything about myself, you're just going straight to it. But of course, there are times when that's appropriate. We need to make a decision. They can be quite decisive and like to crack on. That's the basic phrase I would use. That's the visionary style. Right. Um, the investigator style, yeah. as perhaps the name suggests, the investigators like to investigate. So they want more information. They want the detail. They like to work in a systematic way. They often work to, on farms. They love the protocols. And they'll get very frustrated when people just can't seem to follow a plan. So they like to be planned, organised, structured, and know the detail. They also often are quite curious. They want the logic behind the understanding of why you're asking me to do this. Um, and often they'll, they're, they often have an expression that when you're talking to them that can be quite expressionless because they're processing. So they're often internally processing. These are just general phrases I'm using, not this, specifically to individuals. This is my wife to a T. Yeah. If, if she doesn't understand something, within seconds you can see her itching to get onto Google to research it. I mean, yeah. It's just... Researchers often are quite high on, on this particular scale. Uh, the challenge with this particular, if this is our preference, if we lead, as I call it, with investigator style, some people can find that we, we feel a bit critical. We can be feel like we're criticising because actually what they will often observe is when something's out of place. So go back to written communication again. Uh, this person might send you an email having just spent your whole weekend writing a report. <laughs> yeah, Thanks for the report. Great. Inter very interested in paragraph 13, <laughs> sentence four. But did you know there were four spelling mistakes yeah, in your report? Didn't your grammar shocking? Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't you go to school? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> your spelling mistakes and things like that. So And on a farm, that can be the sort of person that comes in after a weekend and just just tells everybody that this hasn't been done right and that hasn't been done right so it can feel like criticism whereas in the head of the investigator the thinking is it's not right it's not that's as simple as that i'm not thinking necessarily how that person's going to receive the information when i tell them it's not right <laughs> but it's just not right so i call it observational criticism really i've got i've got a quality standards uh, assessor friend who i think you know wayne and he says one percent wrong is still wrong. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you see, some would say the investigators can be a little pedantic no. at times. Yes, exactly. No. And that's a trait. Again, don't bear in mind, we've all got all four of yes. these traits. We're just a blend of... It's our blend, our unique recipe that makes and, us unique. And do we tend to have sort of an, an overriding preference in one or two or one or... It, 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 it can mix. So yeah. frequently, people have an overriding preference for two. Right. So one might be the highest and then the second and then often we have two, the third and fourth are not as high. But you can have people with very even profiles. You can have people with a mix. Um, so if I continue with the, the, the four, you've yes. got the visionary, visionary who is... Uh, visionary is, let's just get it done. Direct and to the point. The investigator is, let's do it, but let's do it properly, please. Right. Let's make sure we follow the plan. The next one, the T, team. stands for team maker. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, you're supping a cup of tea because people often say one of the clues to spot a team maker, take the M off team, what do you get? Oh, team maker. Loving it already. <laughs> <laughs> so a tea maker or a team maker is often the person that looks after you, is interested in your welfare, is okay. very supportive, considerate, caring, doesn't really like 
um, atmospheres probably won't like conflict particularly either doesn't like falling out with people uh, and often will be the person that will offer to make the tea um, peacemaker in an argument that's right very right. much a peacemaker uh, organises collections at people's birthdays again be careful here we're not stereotyping at all no. this is just a way of explaining how you can possibly spot the traits so that's the team maker the challenge with the team maker if that's your personality style is because we don't like upsetting people we can be a little bit hesitant in making decisions and people can often the visionaries can get frustrated because they're not making a decision quick enough because they don't want to upset anybody and do these people then find themselves doing things they shouldn't be doing out of obligation oh and, very good very yeah. good yeah hey, often they are hey. very very good they're often very generous with their time and often what will happen is they become overloaded because they will say yes right. to helping others rather than getting on with their own tasks so again on a farm you might find somebody who's busily helping everybody else but hasn't actually done the tasks you asked them to do in the morning because they, they wanted to help somebody else they find it they can find it quite difficult to say no they often say yes to a lot of people because they want to help. And that's their nature. Bear in mind, again, we've all got these traits within us. It's just what we have as our preference. I, I, I have trouble saying no to bacon sandwiches. Yes. Does that make me a, a team maker? <laughs> well, that's a slightly different challenge, Dave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a different one. That's a dietitian we need to talk to you about. Right, OK. So, the, And then the final one, which is the A in Vita, stands adventurer. for adventurer. Okay. So again, as the word suggests, people with the adventurer traits in their personality are often the more sociable, outgoing. They like to take risks. Um, they do actually suffer from a condition, though. Don't ask right. me about the condition. This is quite serious. Risk of itis. So <laughs> not necessarily. I call it, and this is a flippant uh, comment, okay, but I call it um, what will often happen. Somebody who has high adventurer uh, preferences in their personality style will often, when you're having a conversation with them, and perhaps you're on the farm when you're talking to them, they'll suddenly say, oh, look, there's a squirrel over there. I call it squirrel syndrome. Basically, ah, they are easily, easily distracted. distracted. Yes. Okay. So often they will get bored easily. They so, like, like variety in their work. So there seems a bit of a mismatch there. So they're risk takers, mm -hmm. but easily distracted. Yeah, just because of boredom. So if it's exciting, it's the magpie right. uh, feeling, the new shiny object. You know, there's something new over there, and I want to go and do that. It's more more interesting. And again, we'll go into this in a bit more detail, but the way they think often is more spatial thinking, so they can do lots of different things at once, uh, but often not the thing they were supposed to do with the list that you gave them in the morning. <laughs> so are these the people who will do a big, long to-do list at the start of their day and do the quick wins first just to feel good? That's even if they have a to-do list at all. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more likely to be, yeah, yeah, I know what needs to be done, I'll get on with it. But they're often the more sociable, not always, but they can be the more sociable, friendly, they're the ones that organise the parties, and they can tend to be a bit more impulsive. So should we get out the pub tonight? Yes, fine. Now the investigators are going, hang on a second, I need to check my calendar. Uh, I've got something on at five. I could come and join you at 7.30 if that works. So whereas the adventure is much more impulsive. So, um, so if they're out fencing on the farm and mm. they've left a piece of important kit back in the shed and it's too far to go, the adventure would go on. Let's just hit it harder with the hammer rather than going at the right equipment. Yeah, and often okay. uh, that, that's bang on, and often um, bang on, good bang hammer. on. That was good, good wasn't hammer it? Hammer yeah? joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> often the the investigators will get very frustrated with the adventurers because they come to use the the the, the fifteen mil spanner, which should be in the workshop workshop on the hook where it says fifteen mil spanner. 
but the adventurer took it yesterday and has left it in the tractor. And we can get tensions. <laughs> so you can start to see where you get tensions. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so the challenge with the with those who have a preference for that sort of more adventurous style, they can get easily distracted. They put things down. They forget things. So if you could imagine, sort of, you take the four, you've got Visionary who likes to be directing crack on. We've got the investigator that likes to understand and have the detail and the plan. Yeah. We've got the team maker that likes to make sure relationships are strong. Mm-hmm. And we've got the adventurer that just, doesn't mind what we do as long as it's fun yeah now that's an oversimplification as you can probably imagine <laughs> but then what we are is a blend of those so some of us could be a visionary and an investigator as our top two that's so often the, the, the if you had visionary and investigator as your top two uh, in terms of your preferences that fits very much with with farming because farming is often a routine based uh, business so if and results a, and results based <laughs> yeah. yeah so if you're a livestock farmer for instance you can't say well we just won't milk the cows today or we won't deal with the sheep or whatever we've got to deal with something on every single day so often people in farming have a preference for the result the outcome milking the tank getting the the, the animals uh, grown to the correct, correct weights or actually getting the crops in when it comes to um, harvest time it's an end result we can't leave it at the same time we've got a plan on how to do it so those people will often have a, a very structured way of doing things, but they want to crack on. Yeah, They're not particularly inclined to have a conversation with you, Dave, about last night's television programme. Uh, they're not going to talk about you know, your personal issues for the next 20 minutes when there's work to be done. So if you can compare and contrast that with maybe somebody who has team maker and adventurer as their preferences they want to have a chat they want to talk to you and get to know you they want to understand that you're okay and also actually what's the you know i'm bored and what's the next thing i can do and i like lack of um routine i like variety so you can see on a farm how those two people one who's very much about routine and getting it done the other person is about having a conversation and getting a building relationship and variety can you see how they can clash uh, absolutely. So this scenario I'm looking in, in my head is that you've got the, the pragmatic visionary who's saying, right, today here's a list of things we've got to get done. And if it is a dairy farm, right, you, 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 milk and sheds, you, 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 out to the pasture, you, 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 fencing. And then you've got the adventurer who who's standing there watching the cows being milked. And I'm seeing potentially this is where God forbid accidents can happen in a farm because instead of focusing diligently on the task in hand, the adventurers sort of looking out the window, <laughs> just look at the weather and you know checking his watch or watching TikTok on his or her phone, and things can happen as a result yeah. of not the right person personality style doing the right job. That can happen, and I think often I'll have a conversation with a farmer that says, can you help me with this lad or this girl because he's, he or she is always on the phone, um, they're always distracted, uh, and they use often phrases, you know, they'll throw out phrases like, hey, he's got ADHD or something like that, you know, they just can't concentrate. And when we actually do the Team Dynamics workshop, we discover it's just the personality style. Once you know that, so for instance, if I'm a visionary investigator and I'm working with a member of the team that's more of a team maker adventurer, I want to make sure that I, I give the adventurer a very small to-do list. Three three tasks for you to do, do the first one, and then come back and I'll let you know what the second and third one are. As opposed to saying, here's the 10 things you want to do today, and in your head, number one is the most important. The adventurer might think number three looks more interesting. So I'll do that first. 
And then number five, and that looks interesting, I'll do that next. And before the end of the day, you go back to saying, well, did you not do the list of things? Yeah, I know, but I thought I could do it this way. And you get these clashes. Now, again, I'm going to repeat this here. It's really important. There is no wrong or right or better or worse. There is just difference mm. and we have to, okay in certain situations you could argue that you know, we need to be careful when we're using machinery we need to be concentrating and not using uh, our phones and things like that that's about policy and procedure that's about making that clear to everybody health and safety is a non-negotiable across the farm yeah but actually how that is then interpreted is through these lenses these glasses that we wear called our personality styles when when i was chatting to some farmers to research how we should do this session um one of them quite unaware of the consequences of what he was saying and by what you've said he's a visionary mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, a, he's a visionary and can I ask you all to be aware what what prime primary um are you a vi- are, you, are you are you a visionary are you a, are you an investigator are you a team maker are you an adventurer primarily mm-hmm. remember what paul said we're all four but this this one farmer said Oh, in this world of resilience and well-being, it's okay not to be okay unless you work on a farm. <laughs> yes. you know, and we've got to be very careful that we're dealing with people who might not be okay or are different to us. And it's not about pacifying. It's about understanding and working to strengths and not giving people roles to do that are their weaknesses. That's, if I've understood you correctly. That's a really good point, actually, Dave, because one of the things that people often say to me is, let's take a livestock farm for a second. And what would the traits be that you want in somebody that's going to look after your young stock, maybe your calf rearer? And once you understand the personality style, so if we're thinking of calf rearing, would we want somebody who's quite caring? Probably, yeah. Would we like somebody who's got an attention to detail? Because you, with calf rearing on a livestock farm, it's the absolute basis of yes. everything. If we do that yes. right, then the herd uh, mm-hmm. gets into calf more easily. So the calf rearing job needs to be somebody who is diligent but caring. Now, if we go back to our personality styles, would that suit necessarily? It's not impossible, but would it suit somebody who's easily distracted and gets bored easily? Would it suit somebody who just wants to get it done? Actually, no. So potentially for our calf rearers, if we've got a livestock farm, a personality mix of, t- of team maker and investigator might be the ideal personality style, which brings us right back to when we're recruiting and building our teams, as you say, to try and look for people who've got the natural strengths in certain areas now again Mm. it's not to say that's not pigeonhole or say people can't do it but and if i need somebody who's going to be working primarily by themselves and doesn't want to be around other people and is happy sitting in a tractor going up and down a field all day then they're probably not going to be somebody who's very sociable they're perhaps going to be somebody who's happier just it's about the results I'm more of a visionary investigator, perhaps. It's about making sure that I'm doing things in straight lines. You know, often when people are drilling, particularly, they get very frustrated with somebody that manages to do a wavy line. And the investigator goes, what what were you doing? I'll probably look down at my phone at the time that happened or something like that. (laughs) So, you know, we can see the evidence of people's styles in how they work on the farm. And actually, as you say looking for those natural strengths that come out of someone's personality can help. It doesn't mean to say, if you're listening to this and you're a visionary investigator, you want to crack on, you want to do it well, that you can't be a calf rearer. It just is important that we understand how our personality styles actually then come out in our behaviours and our likely behaviours. Well, at the risk of asking you a leading question, a lot of the people 
listening to and watching this will be leaders or managers on a farm. Mm -hmm. So how about which of the four styles do you think is most suited to the role of the manager and the leader? That's another interesting question, Dave. And often people say to me, is there a particular style that's more suited to leadership? Now, my answer to this is a bit of a politician's answer. It depends. Okay, so it depends on the farm itself. It depends on the culture of the farm. So, for instance, if you imagine a family farm or a farm that's run primarily by people who are more of the team maker style, they're primarily more that sort of style. It's very friendly. It's very warm. The leader there who came in who was very visionary might not work on that farm. Fair point. But might work on another farm with a different set. So the first yeah. of all, it depends on a number of factors. Mm -hmm. I believe all of the personality styles can be effective leaders once you have the self-awareness of your leadership style. I had, uh, a, I had a conversation on the phone this morning with somebody who was recognising that when I was describing it, they were an investigator style and they were struggling with certain parts of communicating to people in their business. The first step is the self-awareness of my own preferences. Once you've done that, you can dial up and dial down. So if I am a little bit hesitant, if I'm a team maker, I don't like making decisions. As long as I'm aware of that, I can then say, right, I need to make a decision on this one. Now, I may have to go and speak to a visionary to help me make that decision. But I think all of the four personality styles can be good leaders. What you could argue, depending on the scale of the business, is somebody who has what I call contradictory traits, actually. Well, that was the question I was going to ask you. Are there any that just butt yeah. heads? So if, you, so if you think of um, uh, somebody with the more visionary traits, which is this directness, this results-orientated, often quite competitive, with somebody who's a team maker, who really is about people and relationships, those two can clash. If you then think of the investigator that likes detail and structure and order and planning with the adventure that likes creativity and newness and impulsive being impulsive, they can clash. But actually, yeah. if you think of a leadership trait, somebody who's perhaps more visionary and has team maker as well, I want to achieve results, but through people. That can be a very interesting combination. Yeah. I have met people in farming who do have that um, those traits of visionary and enough team maker in their profile to say, it's not all about me. It's about helping people to achieve results with uh, through the team. So the combinations can be quite interesting. And sometimes if we have, as I call it, a foot in each camp, you know, if we're <laughs> across the different styles, that can often produce the best sort of leader, irrespective of what that combination is. And either in this session or in future sessions, will you be able to help us understand how we can dial up and down? Yes. Because I'm sure there's a, diff there's a big difference. Whenever I work with individuals one-to-one -one and they have an issue, I always say, well, it's, it's easy to understand things. It's accepting them that's the, <laughs> the, the thing. So we need to understand and then accept that we need to apply what we've learned if we want to be more effective at communication. So you're going to help us understand how we can dial up the skills that perhaps aren't our strengths. I will. I will. Again. But what, what right. I addressed just now is why. Why is it a good idea to be able to do that? Okay. Because obviously for many of us, understanding how is only part of the journey. So why would it be helpful to be able to know how to dial up and dial down our personality styles? Do you know what? It depends. So <laughs> it depends on your personality style. So if you're uh, somebody who likes results, crack on, get to it type of personality, the more visionary, my answer will be it will just deliver better results. 
Simple as. You'll get more out of your people, more milk in the tank, a more effective and more profitable farm. That's the reason to do it. And, if, and alluding to one of your earlier points about how it all starts in the recruitment process, mm-hmm. I, I'm already now seeing how the value of understanding personality types is almost mission critical in the recruitment process because I'm, I'm thinking of farms just around here where I live in the countryside. They're big fruit and vegetable farmers. We've got one of the biggest strawberry farms in the country just down the road. And I know they have a massive problem recruiting as a stereotype, there's a lot of young people who wouldn't want to go fruit picking. Mm-hmm. Whereas our generation would have gone, great summer job, easy money, eat some strawberries. And, and, but they don't want to. And how a, a farmer interviewing people to come and work on the farm will be able to understand better, if they get it right, yeah. the strengths, weaknesses, whether they're right even to employ in the first place. Yeah. Is that right? It is. So uh, I'll, I'll come back to that in a, in a second, but you're right, there's far more to recruitment uh, and particularly the challenges you described in the horticultural sector, the lack of access to overseas labour. Yeah. All those are massive contributory factors to why it's difficult, but why we can't get... British people to work on any of our farms, to be frank, whether it's horticulture, um, arable, pork sector, struggling to find people. There is a commonality there of people not wanting to work in agriculture. We'll perhaps address that separately. Mm. Just going back to the why should they do this in the first place? Why should you be thinking about personality styles? So I said for visionaries, it's about because they want to achieve something. If you're an investigator style and you're curious about this, the reason to to consider flexing your communication style is to enable you, again, to be, be able to give clearer instructions to people, to be able to fully understand and make sure that people are following your plans. And what I'm doing here is using more words as well to explain that. So that's an illustration of how you do it, trying to walk the talk here. If you're more of a team maker style, if you feel that's what you lead with, it's about relationships, why should you think about it? Again, it's because you'll build better relationships. You'll build stronger relationships with your team if you're able to talk to them in a language that works for them. So it's about relationships potentially for you. And if you're an adventurer, why should you do this? Why are you interested in perhaps flexing your style? Hey, it'll make it more fun. You'll just have great fun actually trying to get those relationships going and the atmosphere at the farm will be more positive. So all I've done there is illustrate yeah. why our reasons why we do anything also comes from our thinking style and our behavioural style. So understanding that, that's the reason why you should do it, but it would be different for four people. Shall I just quickly talk about your, your issue about why we can't get people to, to work yeah, on, yeah, on farms? Um, now that, I think, it doesn't necessarily relate to purely to personality styles. One of the challenges we have, just sort of taking a slight tangent for a second, about getting people to come and work in agriculture is a plethora of reasons. But one thing I would say is we as an industry have to own most of them. So what's happening, we... I used to write at the beginning. Shall we roll our sleeves up for the fight now, Paul? Yes, on. exactly. Come on, <laughs> and, and I think where, where I to blame, where right? I come from, and you know, this is my opportunity to, I guess, to say <laughs> this, is that we absolutely need help from from government. We know Brexit's made things much more difficult, even though many of us voted for it. We're actually finding it more difficult now to get access to overseas labour. The government are working on that, and we've got various schemes we know that will hopefully help us with that. But I think that we're in danger there, Dave, of shifting the deck chairs on the Titanic. We have to think about what are the underlying reasons why people don't want to pick fruit? What are the underlying reasons why they won't come and work on your dairy farm or they won't come and drive a tractor for you? And actually, it begins at home. So again, in the conversations I have 
with people who have perhaps worked on a farm and left. What was it about the farm? We know the biggest reason. I've already told you that one. It was the way we speak to each other. But we have got to think about working conditions. Let me tell you a little story. Yes. Can I tell you a story? Yeah. Love a good story. It's a little story. So when I'm I sitting f- comfortably. <laughs> so well, sitting is quite appropriate. I'll come to that in a minute. <laughs> when I first went onto a farm, and I often talk about this when I speak from stage, I, I had a great meeting with a farmer, and we were in a porter cabin, and I said, can I pop to the loo? Of course, perfectly rational question to ask. And uh, I said, where is it? And his answer was, anywhere you like. And I looked at him with this like puzzled expression. I said, sorry, what do you mean? Well, I go behind the, the building here and he goes over there. Now, you might think, why am I talking about toilets? Actually, I go onto many farms and they don't even have a working toilet for the staff. The staff room is the furniture that was on its way to the tip but managed to end up in the staff room. Yeah. The kettle blows up every time we use it. The microwave is covered in filth and, and dirt. The cups are broken crockery. You know, if I work in Tesco's and I go and want to work in McDonald's, I've probably got a half-decent staff room to sit in. I'm probably going to feel safe when I'm there, generally speaking. Now, all of these things I'm talking about are not related to government policy. They're related to our attitude towards staff on the farm. So I have on my on my website what I call 10 fa- a white paper that addresses 10 foundation stones, things that we've got to do as farmers to attract people into our industry. We know one of it is communicate effectively, but there's so much more that we can do. We've got to think about working hours. We've got to think about pay. There's an industry-wide, market-wide discussion to have about where the profit margins are and can we afford to pay more people. I get all that. But what can we do? What can we, as you say, roll our sleeves up on our own farm? What's the first impression of your farm when I come to it? You know, is your sign hanging off? You know, is it littered with dirt and, and old machinery? I'm not likely to want to come and work on your farm. So, you know, it's about being quite brutal and actually saying, what do I need to do to make my farm and careers in farming more attractive. Does that make sense, Dave? I, I think it makes more than sense. I actually think it makes a really important point that sometimes we can really take for granted what people want and what you were saying about they need to feel safe, warm, comfortable, wanted. And I remember when I was training as a chef as a kid in my teens that I would work in some hotels and restaurants where the staff room was more unsanitary than the toilet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, they did normally have a toilet, unlike some farms, <laughs> from what you're saying, but it did not make you feel yeah, good. That, that is a human instinct in all of us. We want to be part of something. But more importantly, we want to be part of something good. Mm-hmm. Nobody wakes up in the morning, washes their face in the sink, looks up in the mirror and goes, hey, I want to work with someone really bad today. <laughs> no, I want, to, I want to be knee deep in mud and have to wean up a tree. No, nobody wants that. Mm-hmm. So these little things you're talking yeah. about don't have to cost the earth, but actually could mean the difference between someone leaving your employment or staying with you. Or even... Starting in the first Getting place. Getting in the first place, Because, yes. if, because again, what we need to recognise at the moment is the labour market is really competitive. There's often people saying there's a labour shortage. There actually isn't. There's loads of people looking for work. What it is is really competitive. So we've got to be hot on, on our game if we're going to attract the best people to come and work for us. And because most people, in my experience in our business, when we're recruiting, are looking at two or three jobs at once. If I can't find you online, if there's no online presence, there's no website or a Facebook page... And I know there's some issues around, you know, being exposed to 
animal rights activists if we're livestock farmers we don't want to put our head above the parapet but they already know where you are so yeah it's about it's, fight, it's about fighting back <laughs> and so if i can't find you and then when i do turn up you're late and you're filthy dirty because you've been changing a tractor wheel or something and i've come down the farm drive and i literally can't my car's not going to survive it because it's so full of potholes now i'm not suggesting we need to go out and spend fortunes what you said is really important you know a kettle you know, a fridge, not uh, just somewhere not warm hard. and safe to sit. Yeah. We now have to recognise that the people we now need to employ on our farms, they are comparing us with industries outside of farming. The pool of people, particularly from Eastern Europe and other countries beyond the UK, that were prepared to work in those conditions, particularly in the horticultural sector, the British workforce are not prepared to do so. Now, you can't say, well, that's the British workforce's fault. It's actually us as employers. We've got to say, <laughs> how do we make it better? How do we compete with other industries? Yes, I've got to pick fruit. Yes, I'm going to be bending over. Yes, I'm going to be covered in, in cow poo if I'm working in a parlour and the cow decides to uh, deliver his uh, breakfast all over you. We can't change some of those things. What we can change is how people feel valued when they're working on our farm. Well, I think you're sharing with us some real gold here. And I, I hope the people watching and listening to this are beginning to apply it not only to themselves, but seeing, pic picturing their operation and their team and wondering how they can use this. Mm -hmm. I've learned stuff today, loving loving the, the Vita. And, but before you go, I want to just sort of tail what you've sold us today about the personality styles to something very practical that the leaders here can take onto their farms. So it's easy to think of the benefits, but a lot of the farmers I met frequently, all they do is talk about the challenges and they've got personality clashes. They've got, you know, staff infighting, um, sniping at each other, even possibly sabotaging each other or mm -hmm. the farm. Uh, which the, the farmer doesn't need that. So how how can the farmer start this week applying what you've just shared with us to prevent that or right. ease that? So that's another great question. So you talk about it was a long one. It was, it was a long, long one. I'm sorry. It was a good question. I'm sorry. Though. So here's here's my tip, if you like. If it, how can you start this? Obviously, to to profile the team, you'd need to either engage us or another company to, to actually come out onto farm and profile the team and actually do a, what we call a team dynamics workshop. But you don't have to do that straight away. What you can do is ask three questions. The first question you could ask your staff individually. You know, just in a one-to-one -one over a cup of coffee. How do you like to be approached or asked to do something? That's question number one. Question number two is often easier to answer. Yeah. How do you not like to be approached or asked to do something? <laughs> and the third one is, what do you think you bring to the team? Those are three key questions I ask in the workshop that we run on farm because that illustrates the answers to those questions will give you a clue. And I have this phrase, and forgive the Birmingham accent, but we ooze clues. All of us <laughs> ooze clues, yeah? So when you ask somebody, how do you want to be approached or asked to do something? If someone says, not bothered, just tell me, just ask me, not, not an issue. That might be a clue to them being a bit more of the visionary style. If they say, well, I, I like to be asked rather than told. And I like a bit of you know conversation before we get started, if that's OK. At least ask me how I am. That might be a clue. What do you not like? Oh, I don't like people faffing about. Just get to the point, you know. <laughs> Fine. Uh, or it might be, well, I need lots of detail. You know, I, I, I don't like it if it's vague. 
all those little answers to the questions, even if you don't understand the personality styles, just asking those questions. How do you like to be approached or asked to do something? How do you not like to be approached to do something? And what do you think you bring to the team? And in the workshop, we would explore those three questions in detail. But just start by that, asking yeah. those questions, because it will give you some clues as to what their preferences are. Do you know, you've reminded me of a conversation I had at a conference where farmers were in the room, about 300 of them, and um, in conversation over lunch, I was I was talking to them about how they manage their staff, and I said, well, do you tell them what they should be doing and why it's important? Mm-hmm. And they went, no, that's none of their business. <laughs> and this other farmer sitting with us put down his knife and fork, wiped his mouth with the serviette, and went, no, it's your business, but they have to know Otherwise, they can't run your business. And I thought, that is so insightful because if we communicate effectively with them, if you, I can't remember who said this, but if you, if you tell them what you want, you might get it done. But if you get them to buy into why it is mission critical to the success of the farm and the operation, they'll walk through walls for you nine times out of ten. Yeah, I mean, there's some real nuggets here because yeah. this, this, the power of why explaining why you want someone to do something often we don't have the time and the patience to do that but actually we know that for all the personality styles understanding my contribution how i'm connected in some way to what i'm trying to do my little piece in the puzzle here how it affects the overall performance of the farm if we never take the time to tell our staff the part they're playing in the bigger picture eventually they'll think they don't have a part to play and they'll walk Great stuff, Paul. Thank you very much indeed. So, as we reach the toe-curling end of the first session, I'd like to make this bit about you, the individual. Because both Paul and myself, we don't necessarily want to be judged on applause or death threats. What (laughs) What we'd like to be judged on is impact. So, from Paul's session today, what is the one thing in your farming business that you're going to start doing differently to see if it makes a specific difference, a measurable return and difference for you. What is the one thing that you're going to keep doing? Because actually, based upon what Paul told you, you're doing it quite well. So you need to keep doing it. So what are you going to start doing? What are you going to keep doing? And the third thing I'm going to ask of you is, what is it you've got to stop doing or do differently? What is not serving you, your team, your farm, your land, your animals, your machinery, your family, you? What is not serving you anymore? What is it you've got to stop doing? So what have you got to start? What have you got to keep? What have you got to stop? Now, let me tell you a little bit about why I'm here, because I'm into goal setting. Goal setting and planning. When we did our research, we discovered that actually a lot of farmers don't plan for the business and for themselves anywhere near as much as they do for their crops and their animals and replacement of machinery and maintenance. Now, if you don't plan for yourself, why are you doing it in the first place? Why are you doing what you do if you don't know what you want? See where I'm going with this. So it's important that you have a plan for you, your well-being, your personal goals, your holidays, your your family time. So I'm going to ask you to consider setting a really big goal for yourself. Now, Paul knows I'm quite an advocate of massive goals, and there's going to be a whole section on how to set goals. 
but between now and the next session, I'm just going to give you one thing to consider. One, I'm not, I'm going to give you two. Two things to consider doing. Number one is called the third of 1% rule, which equates to just five to 10 minutes a day picking on something that you've been putting off doing. It might be understanding Vista in your team or your family or your mates down in the pub. It might be, you know what? Let's build a proper toilet or have some mobile toilets that we can take out to the fields on site. Or it might be having a staff room instead of like the, the shed end of the shed. <laughs> and it, 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 whatever it is, what is it you're going to do? What is it you're going to do that in five to ten minutes a day you could get it done? And the reason it's called the third of 1% rule is because... Pro, pro rata over time if you were to do only my friends five to ten minutes a day doing the thing you've been putting off doing the average productivity over a year goes up well in excess of 112 percent i've had two math professors work that out because there's compounded effectiveness over the long period of time so if you want to increase your productivity happiness welfare retention of staff by 112 percent why don't you do something for five to ten minutes a day? That increases your productivity by a measly third of one percent. Remember, that compounded over time leads to massive growth and development and productivity. Would you give five to ten minutes a day? Don't tell me you haven't got five to ten minutes a day because you're listening to Tina Turner in the cab, <laughs> yeah, aren't you? Yeah, I know, I know. It was it's from the eighties. Put it down. Get up to date with your music. So it's no good not doing something. Otherwise, why are you listening to this? It's a waste of your time. And to be frank, Paul's and my time. So we're, if, if we're going to do this, if we're going to stay together for a year and we're going to push and challenge each other appropriately to get things done, five to ten minutes a day, be proactive. Get stuff done. The second thing I want to ask you to consider doing is something that I am, when I say deeply passionate about this, borderline obsessed. Paul's hung around with me a few years. He's heard me bang on about this relentlessly. Some of you will remember, especially if, if you were younger and used to watch sport on the television, you'll remember an athlete called Chris Akabusi. Chris Akabusi, MBE. Now, Chris was a 400 metres relay legend for Team GB. He was part of the team that beat the so-called Invincibles, the American relay 400 metres team, who I think, if I remember rightly, hadn't been beaten in nearly nine years. And they were called the Invincibles. Chris Akabusi and his colleagues, they smashed them out the ballpark. And Chris then went on to become fame, fortune, businesses you I asked him when I interviewed him one specific question that has changed my life with his answer I said Chris what is the one thing you do differently to everyone else around you that makes you so effective what he said was don't look up to people look into them I said sorry he said don't look up to people look into them well, that sounds good, but I'm from Birmingham. What does it mean? He says, honestly, Paul, I've read. <laughs> and he, he says, right. He said, if you want to truly understand, take yourself from there to there like that. He says, don't go to average people for your information. 
Go to people at the very, very top of the food chain. So don't, don't read books by average people. Don't go on average courses. Invest in yourself. So I'm asking you, invest in this for a year, right? And take on board some of the what our top achiever experts are going to share with you on this program. And instead of looking up to them and going, oh, aren't they good? Aren't they great? Look what they did. Oh, they must be special. They must be talented. They must be gifted. They must be more intelligent. No, look into them, study them in a minutia of detail, how they think, how they behave, what it is they do differently to everybody else that's taking them from there to there, and then apply it. So consider this one thing with regards to your team management, with regards to your well-being. With regards to your staff welfare, who do you know in your industry or indeed outside of your industry? We can always learn. Hmm? Who is best practice? Who is the number one go-to girl or go-to guy on that subject? And to quote Chris, track them down, hunt them, stalk them, go through their bins, make crank phone calls, hang outside the house late at night looking through the curtain going, here's Paul. Don't do that. If you do that, say Paul told you to do it. And I want, I want you to beg, borrow an hour with them, buy them a coffee, a sandwich, or a frappuccino latte, whatever they call coffee these days, a glass of wine or a lunch, and pick their brains. Help them understand. If, help, helps you understand Sorry, how they think and behave. Can I just interrupt you a second? Mm. So I think from uh, the farming community, um, lots of us gather together frequently at events. We have things like discussion yeah. groups where we'll get together. And it's an industry where we'll actually be quite open sometimes in certain parts of the industry, particularly the dairy industry, where they will compare costs. Whereas in many, many marketplaces, you don't have the opportunity to do what Dave's just said. But here... In our industry, we have many opportunities to meet the top achievers, to talk to them about what they're doing in their businesses. So there's almost no excuse here. We absolutely have access to really successful people in the industry. Love that. And actually, <laughs> so just pick up the phone and talk to them. Or if you're in a meeting and say, look, I'd really love just to grab five minutes, 10 minutes of your time just to have a coffee and find out what it is that you do, whether it's about people, finance or whatever. And going back to your planning thing, you know, this point of planning, this five minutes, I think what Dave said there about the five minute rule almost, imagine five extra minutes a day talking to your team. Wow. What difference compounded over a year could that make? That Was it what, a third of a 1%? third of 1%. Five minutes. Five minutes more with your team just asking them how do you want to, how, how would you like us to talk to you that what dave's just said is gold dust you know that if we take nothing else away from today other than i just need to spend five minutes more with my team i love the compounding that. effect could be absolutely huge and one final thing just supporting again what dave said about planning many of us will plan if we're going to spend a quarter of a million pounds on a new piece of kit it could be a piece of machinery combine probably more than that a tractor 150 grand unless you're uh, jeremy clarkson and buy a um, uh, lamborghini tractor we will think very carefully we will plan how much we're going to spend on that piece of machinery or that shed or that new livestock how many of us recognize that if you employ somebody and pay them 25 grand a year and they just stay with you for five years or 10 years 10 years it's a quarter of a million pounds wow so how much time are we thinking about our people and that investment? Because it is as big as, if not bigger. And if you've got more than one member of staff, you might have a million pound investment out on your farm right now. But I haven't got five minutes to spend with them, Dave. True. 
So, true. Five minutes. The five true. fantastic, fantastic advice from Dave here. And you know those three questions Paul gave you earlier to ask your staff before you start the day? I've now got three questions in five minutes that you can ask your staff at the end of the day. What worked well today? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What didn't work so well today? How could we be better tomorrow? So have a go. Have a go from Paul and myself. End of session one. Tudy bye. Nice, Nice working with you. Please let us know what you liked, what could be better, and what you want from these sessions. Look forward to hearing from you. See you soon. Take care. Thank you.